0: The views, ideas, and content of WellSeekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on WellSeekers.
1: Hello, and welcome to WellSeekers. I'm Lucia, so happy that you're here today with us. So on today's show, we're talking about one of my absolute favorite things, if you know me from the show or just know me personally, and that is fun. So what is fun, right? because what's fun to me may not be fun to you. By definition, fun is considered activities or things that we partake in that are pleasurable, enjoyable, or amusing. One of my favorite words when I was looking up the definition for fun was merrymaking. I love that word. So merrymaking and entertainment. There are so many things that I love to do for fun. Probably too many. If you ask people that know me, I have probably too many hobbies. Um, I think exercise can be fun, especially if it's adventure sports or something new that I'm doing that I'm outside and in nature. That's absolutely fun to me. Um, I've started to love sewing, which is fun. Cooking is really fun to me. Recipes that are healthy and nutritious, gluten-free, vegan, those are absolutely things that I consider fun. Spending time with friends is fun. Going and doing different things like paint nights. I've really wanted to try axe throwing. I don't know if anyone's done that, but that as well is something that is really fun to me and what I would put in my own personal version of fun. So what's fun to me may not be fun to you, right? And I'd love to hear about what is fun to you. So definitely DM us on our Instagram at WellSeekers or just shoot us an email, Lucia at WellSeekers.com. But the thing about fun is, as lighthearted as it is, it's actually kind of serious business to our brains. And fun does something to us biologically that a lot of things that are illegal really does to our brain. It works on some of the same neurons and increases some of the same chemicals. So the way that we experience things like drugs or sex or exercise, altruistic acts, the chemicals that get raised when we do these things are the same chemicals and the same neuron activity that fires when we're having fun. So what does that mean? So from a really technical standpoint, there's neurons that activate in a specific part of your brain. This part of your brain is like long spindly axons and the neurons reach into other parts of the brain. Um, I was reading an article actually from, I think it was John Hopkins, and they were talking about how like a root of a tree would wrap around each other when these neurons, when they end up firing, the ends of the axons they release a neurotransmitter. And that neurotransmitter is one we've talked about here on the show before, which is dopamine. That dopamine is absorbed by the neurons in other regions of the brain. So that causes an increase in dopamine when we're having fun. So fun is really like essentially a free high. It's also a really bonding experience if you do it with a partner or someone you love um, because you're both experiencing this chemical rush at the same time. One of the reasons that we say that it's like Sacks or drugs is because we all know drugs release the absorption of dopamine, right? So, fun is almost, even though you pay for it, one of the greatest highs you can have. And I like to say sometimes the cheapest high (laughs) you can have as well. But oftentimes, when we're in challenge and crisis, like we're in right now, fun is the last thing we think of. There's something I've talked about here on the show before, and it's called When Our Guest Comes On, I'm going to run this by him as well to see what his take is on this. But I think we have something as a society, especially here in the States, called unrealistic emotional expectations. I know from my own experience around the world of body image and dealing with particular body image-related issues, both personally and professionally, interviewing people who have dealt with them. We've done series here on the show about them. That we absolutely, as a culture, have unrealistic physical expectations, right? So, why would we not have unrealistic emotional expectations as well? And one of the ways that that manifests itself in our culture and our society that I see around me through the people that I interview, through work, through all of that is when we're in times of prosperity or even just in regular life, we are told via Instagram, social media loved ones, loved ones have told me, you know, just be happy, right? We're supposed to be happy all the time. But happy is just one of many primary emotions And if you're a a fan of the show, if you listen to the show and part of our family here, you know that a lot of the primary emotions have actually been deemed negative (laughs) by our society, but they're not. They're just like any emotion. You have one and then you move on to another and that one passes and you move on to another. And as humans, we have a lot of emotions. So during normal times, we're expected to be happy all the time. And that's just not emotionally realistic. During times of crisis and challenge, there's this expectation in our culture that we need to be down all the time. If you're in crisis, you should be sad, right? But one of the things that builds something, and this is one of my favorite words, resilience, so makes us stronger on the other end of that crisis, is when we allow joy in. When we can access some of that happiness, some of that joy, and some of that fun, because it helps us realize that even through crisis, there will be other emotions, right? That in that unrealistic emotional expectation is forcing us to be sad. It's forcing us to stay stuck in the sad instead of saying, okay, I feel sad now, and now I feel happy, and now I feel this, and now I feel, and moving through different emotions, right? So one of the great things about fun, and our guest that's coming on is going to talk about the power of fun, and he is a master of fun. But one of the true powers of fun is that it chemically alters our brain in a way that a lot of other powerful things do, but for the good, right? And we can use these experiences of fun just in ourselves, or we can use them, like I said before, as bonding experiences to draw closer to people. People that we don't know, people that we know, right? And there can be this commonality of all of us having this dopamine rush, and that's going to equate a good time with these people around us. And now we're more bonded to the people around us. Or if there's no one around, even just that dopamine increase in your own mind. And that is the power of fun on your body. There was an article, I referenced it before by John Hopkins, and they also mentioned two other really powerful elements of fun, and that's the power of freedom and self-direction right? Because when we're having fun, there is that sense of freedom that only comes with things like play, right? And as a child, it's so easy to tap into that freedom. But as an adult, it's so rare. There's not a lot of freedom and there's not a lot of self-direction. We're usually trying as hard as we can to stay in the lines, not go out of the lines. But when we go out of those lines in a healthy way, incorporating fun in a healthy way, that's when again, a lot of those chemical side effects happen. So we're going to be saying the power of fun, but I also like to say the power of play. I have a good friend and she will probably, I'm not going to say her name because she'll be embarrassed, but I've been trying to get her on the show. And I actually think of her as the master of play. She has a blog that's all about play, but she hasn't told anyone about the blog yet. So as soon as um, it's out, I will announce it and Um, everyone can go and check it out. But she talks a lot to me just personally about the power of play and the power of play is all about freedom and self-direction, which is so rare, but so important. You know, one of the other things that I just mentioned, even our regular lives, is how much stress comes into consideration. But during a time of challenge and crisis, like so many people are going through now, and especially as we move in and further down the line, some of the side effects of what everyone's going through now could be going on for a year or more. Right. And that can produce a lot of stress. So how do we live better? In the middle of challenge, how do we live better in the middle of crisis? How do we say this is a feeling I'm having now, but I can also coexist with another feeling of fun and of play? We've talked about this on the show a lot during crisis. And even in this six part series, things that help when stress hits us when crisis hits us meditation, which Swami was on talking about. Rachel came on and talked about nourishing our body with food and with exercise and with movement. Um, There's of course things we can do cognitively. Danica came on and talked to us as a therapist. So there's lots of different things that we can do in that way. And fun is another piece of that puzzle to be included as a stress reducer. Since the show is all about being accessible, I'm gonna try and keep my intro short because we're gonna have an incredible guest coming on. His name is Dave Raymond. Dave is someone who I met through my work as a journalist. And Dave was the original Philly fanatic, which whenever I've told a couple people that I had the original Philly fanatic coming on the show and um, they were beside themselves. He's also a keynote speaker and preacher of the power of fun. He helps people be happier, be healthier, and be more productive, which is what we are all about here at WellSeekers. So Dave is going to join us in just a second. So stick around. We'll be right back on WellSeekers. After a long day, taking time to love yourself and your friends and your family more well can be a challenge we're so burnt out and exhausted and stressed from working so hard during the day, we forget to love the people and the places and the things that are important to us. Well, Lucia at Night is here to help. We're gonna be a retreat and a treat for your day. A place to laugh, to connect, and to learn to love yourself and others more well. We're gonna talk about relationships, ways to sleep better. We'll have expert guests, personal stories, maybe even a musical guest or two. We'll share behind the scenes into my own life as well, my friends, my family, and of course, my relationships. So close the door on your day and light up your night with Lucia at Night. Also, make sure to check out more at WellSeekers.com for simple and real life ways to bring wellness home. I'll see you tonight on Lucia at Night.
0: You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination.
1: And we're back on Well Seekers with our guest today, Dave Raymond. Dave is the original Philly fanatic. He is a keynote speaker and he is a preacher on the power of fun, which we all need now more than ever. Dave Raymond, thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, and you, you did leave out that I'm a professional idiot. So and I'm very, I'm very proud of that because it is part of my industry so that when, when I can tell people I'm a professional, I just I kind of slowly mention idiot. But I am a professional. So I feel good about that. What's the
1: differentiator <laughs> between professional idiot and just idiot?
2: Well, because you well, you know, well, listen, you could probably cite five people that you know that are doing it for free. So I I figured out a way to earn a living. So, so at least I I have a I have a reason for being an idiot. (laughs) Where other other people do it for no particular reason.
1: That's right, and they actually get in trouble for it. You get rewarded for it. So that would be the differentiator, I guess. Dave, you have such a incredibly interesting background Um, for everyone listening to the show. Could you tell us a little bit about where you come from? Obviously the Philly fanatic, A very famous, famous mascot. I know you have a background in mascot because in my producing work, I produced a story and Dave is featured on an episode of this TV series that's coming soon. And we'll talk about that when it comes out. Dave runs a mascot camp among many, many other things that he does around the power of fun. How did you get into what you do in mascot training, what you do in public speaking, and most importantly, what you do in the area of fun in general?
2: It's a it's a wonderful question, and and so much of it is is so idyllic and and wonderful. I I grew up in small town America, in Newark, Delaware, and my father uh, was a local icon, a very famous football coach. He's in the he was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame, and he coached football at the University of Delaware. He was at the at Delaware for 50 years as a coach. As well, and was the head coach for 36 years. And I just wanted to be my hero. That's all I want to do is be my father. Mm. And I got to go to Delaware. I was, you know, my core, my core focus in life was to be athletic and be an athlete. And I was involved in all of the sports. And I played baseball and football and basketball. But I was particularly good in baseball. But got hurt in high school and in baseball, my arm was a pitcher and my arm got hurt. So I was forced to focus on football. I ended up going to Delaware. I was a pretty good player, but I was a very good special teams uh, and a kicker. So I, I made the team as a punter. I got to play for my father. I was living a wonderful dream and I wanted to be a coach. And he said, David, you know, you're not going to be able to replicate what I've done. Not that you wouldn't potentially be successful, but you're not going to stay at the same institution for 50 years. It's just unheard of now. And, you know, you'll move your family around. He said, I know the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, who was a big supporter of Delaware football. And he said, I can help you get an internship with the Phillies. So I I really relate to Malcolm Gladwell's outliers in this regard because Mm. I had access. Mm. And when I got access for two years, I worked as a summer intern and fell in love with the concept of having a full time job where I was working for my hometown professional team. You know, back then, sports marketing was not a thing. Uh, so there was no way you could go to school to learn that. I was going to school to be a teacher and a coach. Mm. And I thought, forget this coaching stuff. I This is wonderful. And um, I was hoping that I would get another year internship and, and uh, hook up with the Phillies for a full-time job. Instead, the third year that it was supposed to only be a two-year internship, the third year they said, hey, will you come back for us this summer? We need you to stay for the games we want you to go to New York and get fitted for the costume. And I was like, what, what kind, you know, and and I, you know, I realized I was going to be eventually that I was going to become a Muppet. And my job was to entertain some very, very difficult, demanding baseball fans in Philadelphia, but it all, it all seemed to work out. It was a perfect storm. I didn't understand that I had skill sets. You know, my mother was deaf since I was three years old. uh, She went deaf and, you know, the nonverbal communication was natural for me. And, um, And so I I went and worked for 17 years with the Phillies, left them because I wanted to kind of be in control of my own destiny. The Phillies were wonderfully supportive of me. I still have friends that are working there today, some 41 years later. But I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I started in the business of of creating and designing what we called character brands for uh, Fortune 500 companies, for colleges, universities, and of course, for sports teams. And that company, Raymond Entertainment, is still successfully operating. We're still doing that. But uh, and we'll talk about this. I discovered that the fanatic, the, the actual value and power that the fanatic had, uh, made me happier and actually got me over some of the most difficult times in my life that I honestly didn't think I would survive. And I recognized there was something important that I wanted to discover about that. So I kind of deconstructed it. I had always been speaking to groups ever since I was with the Phillies. And I started to formulate this theory that I called the power of fun. And the four lessons that the fanatic was constantly trying to tell me to pay attention to, and I didn't until, you know, life has a way of knocking itself upside the head every now and then. And that has blossomed into a keynote speaking career. You know, you, you talk about a time when you recognize that your whole life was kind of putting you together to be in some place. And that's what I feel about being able to deliver this message. The audiences are responding. I feel... Um, empowered to do it um it's been bolstered by science and uh, and I and and that's where I am today and it's really what I, it's not that I don't love developing sports marketing uh, programs. I do enjoy that. But I really am passionate about delivering this message because I think it's important. And especially in today's world, it's it's vital for us to be able to survive.
1: Absolutely. Especially right now, we're in the middle of a series, of course, talking about how to cope through challenging times and crisis times like everyone's experiencing right now. And globally, we're experiencing it. Right now, but individually, I know I can look at my life and say that there were times like you just described where it was basically, you know, life breaks you apart to put you back together again to the person that you're meant to be right. and the mission that you're supposed to be on. And it sounds like that was really what happened to you. Um, and could you just share a little bit about what that tr- sort of. Tr- I, well, we say triggering experience. Um, oh, well, yeah, it was,
2: That's a good word. because yeah. the, the, the trigger, if it was in my hand, I, I wouldn't be speaking to you today. I mean, honestly, it so um, and I'll age myself. But if anybody remembers Leave it to Beaver or the phrase Leave it to Beaver experience. Yeah, um, I think everyone knows Leave it to Beaver. I think they do. Yeah, I'll tell my my 20 uh, year old Daughter, that Carly, and she'll go. Uh, yeah, Dad, I know that. Yeah. And then I'm like, Well, I was just asking. I want to make sure that your generation wouldn't think that that was, you know, they wouldn't scratch their heads. But I was truly living that life. So if you can imagine somebody who grew up as athletics as the, as the lifeblood of your existence, and it truly was my father's success in terms of wins on the football field would dictate how long he would have that job, mm. and then to have a job where you were working right in the heart. Of, of a similar situation without the stress of being so concerned about wins and losses, because from a marketing perspective, you're kind of distracting the fans from wins and losses because you know that your team isn't always going to be successful. So I, I was living that life. And then I get this job of a lifetime. The Fanatic becomes a pretty much an overnight success. Uh, my company was involved in helping the Flyers create Gritty. So there's so many parallels into what happened to Gritty in terms of his worldwide Notoriety success that happened with the Fanatics. So there I am in the midst of that, just and making more money than I really thought that I was worth and having the time of my life, loving every second. And out of the blue, uh, completely out of the blue, my mother, um, who was 58 at the time, got diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And you know, you talk about getting hit over the head with a hammer, It's it was surreal, uh, not unlike what we're going through now. Like, wait a second, people are wearing masks and gloves and when you go to the grocery store, I mean, that my mother is going to die. It, it just none and not no one in my family other than an aunt who I was uh, close with, but didn't see often. And she had passed away a, a number of years earlier. But this was the first time that it was, you know, really personal for me. And, you know, and my mom uh, managed to live for eight months, saw the birth of my first son, Kyle. That was, you know, at this the 19th of this month is the anniversary of my mom's passing, and. Uh, uh, I had a young wife and a son and after my mom passed away, I was looking towards my marriage to for, and, and my relationship my son to comfort me and my marriage fell apart the, uh, three weeks after my my mom had died and I knew I, was, I can see this like one of those seared images. I was in my home at Wilmington, Delaware, in my kitchen still see the floor. The floor was the was, was the carpeted squares it, it, that you know that was such an awful flooring. And I and I was looking at the floor, knowing with all certainty that I was not going to survive it. And then also thinking in the same moment, I can't do my job. I have to be a clown. I I can't do that. And I I was asking the Phillies to clear my schedule. But there was an appearance that very next day that I said, well, I'll, I'll get done with that and then I'll come home and take care of this and and not to be dramatic but that's the way my brain was working yeah i got to the job and i i slipped on the fanatic costume and you know my as i mentioned in my keynote dave raymond floated away like an out of body experience and the fanatics personality was in charge and for those 2 hours it was the first time in months that all of the pain and so- sorrow had just like a snap of a fingers had gone away and i realized oh my gosh don't clear my schedule. I need to do this more. And you know wh- what I what I say is you know not, we don't all have the fanatic uh, to disappear into, but for me, it was little brief moments of of respite, little brief moments of no pain. And then when I got done with that, I felt like I had uh, been given uh, medicine that made me feel better. And that lasted for a little while. But then I needed another break. And I realized the repetitiveness of taking this break of distracting fun, which is it's the fourth lesson. It's the power of distracting fun that I learned from the fanatic. What is vital to do during the worst times in your life and people just it's counterintuitive. They think, well, I can't have fun now. Right. Yeah. I, and and it's the it, it exact time. So that is what truly you know, save me. It, it's not that it wasn't difficult to overcome. There were many other things I had to do, including recognizing how important it was for me to in, inject a little bit of fun here and there. Um, but it is a very strong tool. It's one of the most imp- important tools to combine with the rest of your, you know, your quiver, you know, with all your arrows. And it's the same thing with businesses. You know, it's you got to get the reports done. You got to get your work done. You have to show up on time. You got to be prepared but you also have to recognize that if you could somehow figure out a way to make fun make your work fun and to use your strengths to leverage them into what you do and either manipulate that or actually be lucky enough like i did to have a job that had it naturally you will not only survive uh, the difficult times but you can thrive when it's good that that's the most important thing it's the same tools that you use to survive and then you thrive in life and you've got a better perspective and you know this too will pass, the good and bad, this will too will pass. So, you know, you never, uh, never too up, never too down. And and it it is just, it's sim- simple by design, but very difficult for us to understand because <clears throat> simplicity are things that are not valued because you do understand them. They're so simple to understand. You're like, well, that can't be valuable because I get it, mm. you know? so So that is probably the hardest part of fun as a term because we just don't value it.
1: I think that you said something that, is the point of this show in particular, this specific episode is, you know, we talk a lot about a body image, right? And we have unrealistic physical expectations as a society. I think our most dangerous thing as a society is unrealistic emotional expectations. And those expectations in good times are you should always be happy. And if you're feeling any negative emotion, there must be something wrong with you. I think if you invert that in bad times you're supposed to be down or in crisis mode when in actuality tapping into the power of fun or I always say accessing joy that's what's going to help you get to the other side is that sort of what you're saying
2: oh uh, Lu- Lucia I couldn't have said it better it's so beautiful and perfect because my older daughter who has who's struggled with anxiety and um, it, it, it hasn't really been completely debilitating for him but she's worked really hard at it and and when she was a young girl she would say to me um, dad, I just want to start the day with low expectations. And she was just, she was like eight years old. She said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, low expectations because if anything happens above that, I'll be, um, I'll be surprised. And I, and I felt bad. I thought, oh no, no, that's not. And I would try to encourage him. No, no, sweetheart, that's not what you should do. And, and then I realized over time she was right. It, it, it's not that you have a negative perspective. What you want to do is just say, listen, if I can wake up and, and I can take a breath, it's a good day. And if if those are the things that you're grateful for, uh, imagine how nice it is when something just a little bit above that happens. Then you appreciate that even more. And you're focused on the simple pleasures, the little things. One of the first ways to be happy is to recognize that it's, it's okay to be sad. Mm. The good part's about sad. Uh, you mentioned something about this being global. So one of the first things I said that was great about the COVID pandemic was, the and there is no other time in history now we're living through this think about this no other time in history when the entire planet the entire planet is on the same page yeah. we're all fighting the same thing now you know there's political divides there's borders and barriers and all kinds of issues however we are all in the same boat at the same time no other time in our existence has that occurred
1: and it probably won't happen again honestly no, when you, yeah
2: You've gotta say, listen, that's powerful because there's gonna be ways that we're gonna overcome. It is sad that people are losing their lives and it is sad that there's a lot of fear. But so you, what you will try to do is at the most difficult times, what are the things that I have now that are good? What's gonna be good about this? Um, you know, there, there's gonna be so many, so much innovation and so much creative flow for, uh, for working, workspaces, for communicating, for different types of opportunities in my business you know, communicating virtually is going to be, it's always been a part of my business in terms of keynote, uh, but it's, it's going to explode now because people are still going to be tentative even, you know, until we have a vaccine and everybody's had a chance to have access to that vaccine, we're still going to see a lot of gloves and masks and people are going to be tentative. Mm -hmm. So virtual connecting is still going to be powerful through into 2021. And I think that that's, that's a good thing because, uh, there can be all kinds of different ways to do business and but at the end of the day how we manage our fear and how we manage our emotions and expectations like you said that's what's so beautiful and and i I apologize i didn't get right to that you're you're managing your expectations so that you can be prepared for for the expectations above that but also about maybe not meeting expectations that you're Mm -hmm. you're still in a good way because um when you are going through tough times you think you know what i'm going to come i'm becoming resilient and I'm becoming tough and that means the next time life throws me a curveball I'm going to know exactly what to do to get through it and and that you know that is the benefit of having a lot of struggles which I had none until I was about 33 years old oh, wow. so if you can imagine have a life where I just didn't really have much of a challenge until I was 33 years old I mean I had a few girlfriends that dumped me <laughs> you know yeah. I had regular life things but I never really had you know, challenges, yeah, and and so so that to a certain part, I wasn't prepared for it, and so I was so lucky, you know, to have the fanatic there at my side, you know, to be able to guide me out of it.
1: So, Dave, what would you say to someone listening right now that's not totally sure on how to find the power of fun in their own life and what? is fun for them in their own life. I mean, we can go through basic things, right? Like what entertainment is can feel like fun. But when someone's really trying to tap into what fun is for them, do you have guidelines that you give people without getting into your whole keynote, even just some high level stuff?
2: Absolutely. So so you said it, you hit it right on the head. It's um the problem with happiness is it's subjective. And the analogy I'll say is is you love to skydive. I'm frightened to death of heights. So a skydiving episode is only going to make one of us happy. Uh, the other one is going to crawl up into a ball and be frightened. So the first thing is to try to figure out, you know, what are the things that distract you? And then I always like to divide my day into into three moments and and give myself five minutes to practice my way to happy. And Tony Robbins uh, famously said, if, if you don't have five minutes to give to yourself, you're going to be spending a lot of money on therapy for the rest of your life. Mm. Uh, Or or you're just going to be unhappy. So uh, in the morning, when I wake up, is a time when I just try to think about a few simple things that I'm grateful for, and it could be th- things that are happening right day at that right at that moment. It's the sun's out; it's going to be a nice day. Um, you know, I'm breathing; I'm alive. And then in the middle of the day, I generally I do a moment to pause where I stop for 90 seconds and I think about something that brings me pure joy. And then at the end of and the third portion is I say the three P's. One is to prepare. That's the morning. One is to pause in the afternoon, and one is to post. That's when you list uh, as many good things that happened that that day. Now, if you if you think about that, that is all personalized. I'm not telling you what to say you're grateful for. I'm not suggesting what brings you joy, and I'm not suggesting to what would be good for you in a particular day. They're going to be different for everybody. But by taking those five minutes combined, because it's it's about 60 to 90 seconds each one, so uh, a little less than five minutes. You are going to be priming your brain to be um, for positive focus, and the science uh, of positive psychology suggests that you can build neural pathways to train your brain to be uh, more directed toward a positive focus than are than we're conditioned by DNA for a negative focus. So you got to work at it. Yeah, it takes time, and you should journal about this. In the end of the day, I always say, write those three things down in the morning. I say, just think about them in the moment to pause. I'm just saying that you. You go to that space that brings you pure joy and you think deeply about it like you were there. Um, so, you know, keeping a record of this, of how, you, how you're how you feeling, then it can be personalized. It's it's just a matter of, you. everyone will do a couple of things. You're gonna guarantee to give yourself five minutes and you're gonna break your day up to be able to, you know, to have those moments where you are focused on priming your brain. And then whatever that is for you is what you focus on.
1: That is perfect. I loved your analogy of... Um... You know, you someone's scared of heights and skydiving is <laughs> someone else's dream, right? Fun means thing, different things to different people. And I know you mentioned, mentioned a little bit about the science of it, which we talked about our brain being plastic and how certain exercises can help retrain our brains. Endorphins, obviously a big deal when it comes to fun being released. Laughing can cause endorphins. We chatted a little bit before we started taping about how you're learning more and more about the science aspect of it. Anything that you want to share that you've learned recently about not only how we can just have a conversation about it, but how neurologically, how scientifically backed and evidence based fun actually is, which almost takes the fun out of it. I feel like when we start talking.
2: <laughs> no, see, my my job now because my keynote is always evolving. There's the core message, and I deliver it different ways as I'm evolving. Evolving. So when I'm when I'm designing some science to go into it, either through illustrative purposes or through delivery, I'm going to try to make it fun or funny um so that that's my goal in the next few months is to do that but i would say for everybody go, go search for martin seligman he is the the father of uh, of positive psychology you know it was only in the in the late 80s and early 90s this really came to bear and he does a uh, one of the first ted lectures it was you know kind of before ted had its red dot and he does it in more of a classroom type setting it's wonderful and he describes what psychology was prior to positive psychology and what uh positive psychology has become. And and it's really wonderful. He says, like in the beginning, we were trying to make the miserable people less miserable. And that was okay. That was what our job was. And we ignored the outliers, the people that were exceptionally happy. And the swear word or the or the area that we would could never as psychologists go to were the people that were um, exceptionally successful. Uh, And instead what positive psychology tried to do was look at those outliers and determine why are they like that. And they built positive psychology around that. And it was really interesting for me to see the birth of that. Um, and, and then he looked at happiness from try to remove the subjectivity of happiness. And they broke down three types of life. There was the life of pleasure. That's where someone was just searching for pleasure, as much pleasure as they could have. Um, and that's what worked for them. But it wasn't replicable. Then there was the good life, people who were in a flow that just, you know, whether they were an athlete or whether they just did something that put them into a state of uh, forgetting a you know, flow, they distracted from everything. And the third and probably the most important was a life of, of giving. And the two areas where most real happiness occurs are in the flow state and in the, in the good life, and then a life of philo- philanthropic endeavors and an ability of a bigger purpose. So for me, I could see exactly where I am, that there was a life of pleasure in the beginning for me. I mean, I wasn't debauched. But my life was just pleasurable, everything, money, fame. Uh, you know, I could, I, I, I could be somebody and then I could be anonymous. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I went through my struggles that I recognized there, there's this flow state. And that's where I was with the fanatic. And I started focusing on the flow state and then trying to give back and do great things, which is where the delivering the message comes in for me, is that I think I can do more good to, by telling my story and suggesting to people that they can do it, too
1: powerful stuff, Dave Raymond. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know how busy you are and how much how much you do have going on. So thanks for sharing just your expertise around fun, but most importantly, your story, right? Because I think we learn so much from each other's personal stories. So thanks for sharing that with us.
2: Well, and I I would like to say to your audience how lucky I am to be talking to you oh. in this world of producers and television shows. I've, I've, ha- I've been blessed to have an opportunity through the course of the work with the Phillies till today to get opportunities like that and like this. And you can tell right away within the first few minutes how real uh, of a person that someone is that is in your position. And from the day from day one that we spoke, that, that, that beauty and that caring came through. So you are a perfect person to be uh, involved in this podcast and certainly in this message. And, and so it's been a pleasure for me to get to know you and, and thank you for treating me so kindly.
1: Oh, Dave, thank you so much. No, sincerely. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Wow, what a great note to end it on!
2: Um, <laughs> yes, Dave, I think you should. You it, say you put you put your hand to your chest and you say thank you. I did. I actually did that. So that's, that's good. I never do that. I, <laughs> I don't do that enough. So I, I that's that gratitude, and you deserve it. I like to let it
1: in, you because know, <laughs> yeah. I used to not. So now I'll take it.
2: <laughs> good. Good.
1: Dave Raymond, the original Philly fanatic, keynote speaker, preacher on the power of fun, professional idiot. Thank you. You got it. Just kidding. I don't think you're an idiot at all. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more, where can they find you? I know your website, DaveRaymondSpeaks.com, which we'll put a link to, but you're on social as well, right?
2: Yeah. And I'm very active. The website's a great place to start. You can, uh, I'd love you to to join to our, our free newsletter called the power of fun. You get, you automatically get a free uh, chapter download of my book, the power of fun. And those are both available on the website. But I'm at Dave Raymond Speaks on Instagram, which is kind of where I start my posts. But very active on LinkedIn and Facebook. We we do a Facebook Live every Friday night at 5:30 to talk about using fun to overcome right now to the end of uh, April. So it would be great if you joined us. We we have three four hundred people that that join every Friday night, and it's and my daughter, my 20 uh, year old daughter is my co host, and and I'd love to have everybody uh, you know connect with me on any of those ways or or all of them.
1: Oh, I love that. I'll join sometime.
2: Yes, please.
1: Yeah, I'll sign up. And
2: you could win a free
1: Power Fun pin.
2: You know, if you answer trivia, we'll give you a free Power of Fun pin. Oh,
1: I love that. We'll definitely check out Dave's sites. I'll see you on one of his lives as well, because I'm going to check it out. Dave Raymond, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks, Lucia. I really appreciate it.
1: And we'll be right back on Well Seekers.
0: Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65, or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com. Thanks for being part of the seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now back to the show.
1: Thanks again to Dave Raymond for being on our show. Such a great man and so wise when it comes to fun and life experience and how fun has a place in the middle of challenge, in the middle of crisis, in the middle of chaos. So I hope if you've taken anything away, it's if you're struggling today, there is absolutely not only a place for fun, but a need for fun and a need for play. If you want some ideas of things that I do, um, I know I listed some at the beginning of the show, but I'll attach a blog to talk more about or just like a list of ideas for everyone of things that I've done and some ways to tap into the, the power of fun and the power of play. There was a really interesting article on Psychology Today talking about the eight ways to make your life more fun. And I just wanted to share some of the highlights from that. One of the things that I hear from people when I say you need more fun is I don't have the money for fun. Fun is not financially tied. It's not going to be financially based. Yes, if you want to go on this luxurious vacation, which that's not even an option right now and probably won't be for a while, that may cost some money. But there's so many smaller ways to have fun. Um, If you do like to take vacations, what about creating... Sort of a virtual getaway at home or going on a road trip an hour or two away, finding a spot on the map. So there's always something within your budget that's accessible, I like to say. I mean, I love to travel and I can't always do it. So sometimes I'll just locate like a new restaurant or a new coffee shop within a 30 mile radius and I'll drive to that on a Saturday. And that, then I travel a new road and I get a new perspective and I get a new cup of coffee or a new pastry. Um, I like to look for sh- gluten-free, dairy-free I know some people say taste-free, but they're not. Stores and bakeries, because they love baked goods, and visit those as well. So um, that costs as much as gas costs and a cup of coffee. And they're some of the best times that I've had, with and without other people. Some people, they think they don't have the time. And I always say, there's always time for play. There's always time for fun. Even if it's a half hour at the end of the day. Sometimes if I've had no fun through the day, At the end of the day, when I'll take a shower, which is part of my fun, and then I'll put on a 10-minute face mask. And that, to me, just gives my my mind and my mood a little bit of a lift. Here's one of the other highlights from this article, and um, I'm going to share this article too because it's longer. Really, the eight keys are essential. So I'll just share one more, and then we'll put a link below. I've heard this so many times from people. You think that everything needs to be perfect to have fun, right? So... Yes, we are not all the original Philly fanatic, which was the situation Dave found himself in having fun, which is amazing, right? That'd be amazing if we were all in that position. And that was our level of fun that we were having. But you don't need to have the perfect time, the perfect amount of money, the perfect job the perfect fun scenario to have fun fun can just be getting together with a friend for coffee and laughing right allowing yourself to be imperfect is a huge part of fun right that freedom that i talked about before of play that's half of the fun of fun and play is just having that freedom and really coloring outside the lines like i like to call it because we're so often forced inside those lines So I'll make sure to include that Psychology Today article so that everyone can read it. I just want to say thank you to Dave Raymond again for coming on the show. It was such an honor to have you. um, And it's truly, truly an honor to have met you. So thanks so much for your time and your wisdom and your knowledge on fun. I hope that if you haven't subscribed to the show, you'll hit the subscribe button um, and become a part of our family. I'm just so grateful for each and every member of this family, of our community here at Well Seekers, of our community at Lucia at Night, which is our sister show based on relationships that we do once a month. I just truly have to say the highlight of my week every week is interviewing someone for this show recording this show and putting this show out. It's the best part of every single week for me. So I hope that you take this knowledge, you can use it and apply it to your life in real accessible ways. And um, just so honored to be on this journey with you. If you haven't followed us, make sure to check us out on all social medias at WellSeekers. And you can find me on Instagram at Lucia Naz N-A-Z-Z, and on Facebook at Lucia's page. From all of us here at WellSeekers, we hope that you have an incredible end to your day, to your week, to your night, whenever you're listening to this. And we hope that you've enjoyed this six part series on how to cope through challenge and crisis. If you missed any of the shows, make sure to check out the rest of the series. Um, And we'll be back with you real soon right here
0: on WellSeekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.